The first annual Grenache Fest is in the books. That's a wrap. The event was incredible, and it got me thinking, how do we keep this Grenache party going? Well, I'll tell you how. Grenache study. Yeah, we are going to uh, study Grenache, but not like we used to in high school. This is more going to be a bunch of really cool people getting together with some really cool bottles of Grenache. And one of the best things about Grenache is there's Grenache Noir, Grenache Blanc, and Grenache Gris. So we're running the whole spectrum of wines here. Um, If you want to be in the know on the upcoming Grenache Study events for 2024, go to GrenacheStudy.com and get on the list so you'll be the first to know. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the Mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. So you know how I do. Um, I can't stop uh, meeting and talking to people. So I'm actually here. I'm in Italy. I'm in Verona, Italy. I'm at the Wine to Business Conference. This is my first time in in Verona. Um, And Wine to Business is put on by um, Stevie Kim and the team that puts together Vin Italy. Um, And, uh, you know, this is just some bonus content for you guys. Uh, I'm sitting here with my man, Michele. I just met Michele. Michele, what's your full name? Uh, Michele Longare. Michele Longare, yeah. Yeah, and what is your um, role in the wine business? So... um, Actually, I'm originally from Italy, but I've been living in the UK for the past uh, 10 years. And uh, I am a director at uh, Hey Wise, which is a small uh, uh, family-run uh, uh, wine importer and wine merchant in, uh, in England. And uh, since uh, July 2022, I'm also Italian wine ambassador for Vin uh, Italy International and the, the Stevie Kim uh, group as well. Oh, okay. Wow. Fancy, fancy. So um, how does one... Um where did you grow up in Italy? So you said you're really familiar. Where, where are you from? Uh, a small town in the province of Parma, Emilia-Romagna. Okay, Emilia-Romagna. And it's very strange. My journey into wine is very strange because until uh, 12 years ago, I was a software engineer. Oh, wow. With a great passion for wine. <laughs> so what I did, I decided to, as soon as I started my, my first job, I decided to... Uh, start the sommelier diploma in Italy okay. with the Italian Sommelier Association. But originally it was just, you know, to know a little bit more about wine and uh, why I like wine so much. Yeah. Uh, but then the thing is, uh, the more I was involved with wine and wine producer, and the more I started to ask myself, why do I want to stay all day in front of uh, a computer? 
And so 10 years ago, I got uh, an opportunity to come uh, to, to go to the UK uh, to do a master program in uh, wine business management for two years. And uh, originally it was just an idea of like, uh, okay, let's go there, have uh, some kind of life experience abroad. Uh, but then I found uh, this job with this company, which uh, I really love, and uh, I decided to stay there. This is just <laughs> this is how it is. I love that. So you, you're from Emilia Romagna. Yeah. Um, now we all know Prosciutto da Parma and Parmigiano. Parmigiano. Um, but what is is there a wine in that region? Okay. What what what? Like so, growing up, you said you, you said you, you were passionate about. But so growing up, what was kind of what's kind of for people who don't know, like myself, even though I should know, uh, people will listen, like, because there's so many indigenous grapes yes. and things in Italy. So what was kind of like the wine from your region that you grew up in? So the first thing I want to tell you is the fact that uh, what is very, uh, let's say, unique about, uh, uh, in particular, Emilia, so the mm -hmm. western part of Emilia-Romagna, is the fact that we are... Uh, literally fanatic about bubbles so okay, we bubbles. really drink our wine with bubbles okay that's it yeah so still of today if uh, you know i am in touch every day with very nice wine producers so if i bring home to my parents a bottle of uh, very nice uh, still wine they say yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most of the time my dad's feedback is uh, yeah it's nice but it doesn't have much bubble, does it? No, that is, uh, it's a still white. It doesn't have a lot of bubble. Yeah, and the reason is because, obviously, our cuisine yeah. is a very um, uh, greasy yeah. cuisine. So we use a lot of butter. If you think about field pasta, right. all that kind of thing, right. we use a lot of butter. And, uh, obviously, charcuterie, cold cuts are, like, a big thing. Parmigiano-Reggiano, so cheese. And uh, with the... This variety of uh, dishes and ingredients, you really need uh, acidity, bubbles to cleanse your palate, yeah. and it's just what what you need. So, uh, and in terms of grape variety, your question is, uh, I would say, in terms of reds, obviously we have Lambrusco, yeah. in particular, okay. yes. a specific uh, clone of Lambrusco, which is called Lambrusco Maestre, which is probably the darkest one, so like, mm -hmm. uh, I would describe it like black in color, yeah. not even. And... Uh, in terms of uh, white grape varieties, by far the most important one is uh, uh, Malvesia of uh, uh, Aromatic Candia, which is a particular clone of Malvesia, which uh, gives uh, amazing uh, semi-sparkling and sparkling wines. I love Malvesia, um, well, Malvesia Bianca, but you're saying a specific clone. And I also love Lambrusco. I think in, in the United States, I don't know how it is, in the UK, but in the United States, people really don't appreciate Lambrusco as much as I think they should, um, because there was a lot of shitty, cheap Lambrusco exactly. in the 70s, you know, exactly. Like, exactly. But, but it's a beautiful wine, and it was so funny when you were saying how, um, you know, the food is greasy, like, one of the combinations everybody's big in the United States is, is fried chicken and champagne, right, or french fries, anything yeah. fried, because you're right, I mean, it's almost that effervescence. For me, I consider, you know, I'm sure you've traveled a lot, but like, you know, we grow up drinking soda like Coca-Cola. So the bubbles, like with a, a greasy cheeseburger, yes, exactly. but it, it works, right? It works right, right. Um, what I love about, um, what I love so much is is how intertwined, though, the food and wine is here in Italy. Um, for you, what's it like to, uh, you now you're, you're in, 
in the UK? Were you in Dublin, Ireland? You in London? Where are you based? Uh, so I'm based in actually. So the company is based in uh, Herefordshire, which is basically in the West Midlands, in the central part of England. Okay. But I live uh, uh, down south in the county of Devon, very close to the sea. Okay, very nice. Very okay. Nice. So coming from such a strong, amazing, renowned food culture, what what was it like when you first moved over there? Because I know the food's improved, but it's it's. I mean, it's uh, um, obviously, uh, as you said, the thing is. Uh, it's very difficult to make a comparison because uh, obviously Italy is such a big country when it comes to food, food yeah. and wine, gastronomy, yeah. Yeah. and probably Emilia Romagna is like the, the center like of, this, yeah. uh, of this culture. So um, I'm not going to lie, the, 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 the cultural gap in terms of gastronomy yeah. that I found when I moved to the UK is uh, huge. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that in the last 10 years, uh, things are getting better and better because I think that first of all there are a lot of uh, um, local producers starting to uh, experiment uh, and the other thing is that I think the British consumer probably by traveling around they are actually trying to replicate some of the food yes, culture they find abroad and uh, it's, uh, it's improving a lot and in particular in uh, where I live now so in the southwest of England the quality level of uh, um, for, for instance, uh, uh, meat, uh, cheese, uh, uh, seafood uh, is uh, huge. And you start to have, uh, even, you know, small country pubs, uh, family-run restaurants uh, that are experimenting with uh, uh, the cuisine. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can really find very, very, very nice places. Yeah. So, thank you. That makes sense. And I've heard that, you know, uh, I've heard that particularly in the bigger cities, and I see that it's spreading out. I yeah. know in London, like, yeah. that's been the big thing, is, like, people have studied abroad and they come back. You know, people, chefs have come to Italy and worked in France and, and different places, and they're bringing a, a renaissance to the, the cuisine there. But when, when you were talking, I was thinking about, okay, so, Emilia um, Romagna, Bubbles, and Brusco. What do you think of the, um, the rise of sparkling wine in Britain? Because that's become... Uh, I mean, world class now. It's, yeah. So, uh, what? How? What, how have you seen that unfold as your time there? Because it's literally over the last decade, it's really starting to come into its own. Yeah, I think it's uh, a combination of different factors. So, as soon as you start working in the wine industry, you immediately understand that uh, it's never just about wine itself. Yeah. It's never just about uh, how uh, good the wine is uh, or how famous a region is. Is also a lot about uh, uh, how people feel. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, we, you know, since COVID, we had very troubled years, and uh, you could actually see in the graphs uh, how people were feeling at home mm -hmm. and how the consumption changed. Mm -hmm. So, I think that uh, uh, apart from the fact that uh, the quality level and uh, the value for money of sparkling wine has improved a lot uh, in the past uh, seven, eight years. The other reason is because I think that the people now are really looking for uh, uh, something uh, easy drinking, mm -hmm. very casual, mm -hmm. uh, not uh, complexity, not intensity, <clears throat> not those uh, full-bodied wines where you need to put your nose in the glass and uh, spend 10 minutes uh, <laughs> understanding what it is. They just want something that you just pop open, mm -hmm. have a glass with, you know, your family or friends, have a chat, and have some uh, uh, relaxed time. I think that's the reason why bubbles are growing a lot, because uh, there is a, a, a tight connection between sparkling wines 
and this kind of moment. So yeah. uh, obviously, if you have a friend coming over, it's much easier to just pop open a bottle, for instance, of Prosecco and a bag of crisps rather than cooking a meal and having a bottle of wine. So that's I right. think that's why um, part of the reason why this category is growing so steadily is because uh, that's what uh, people are looking for, some uh, casual, relaxed, easy time. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's, I mean, I'm thinking like, yeah, like even the rise of charcuterie around the world. Like I said, it's just easy, just boom, boom, boom. You don't have to cook a whole meal. Yes. And then you, the bubbles go with it. It's perfect. Um, in your day-to-day, kind of what, what do you do on a day-to-day basis in your position? Like, what does that look like? like yeah, it's, uh, um, I would say that uh, uh, my main job is to make sure that uh, uh, as a company, uh, we are always up to date in terms of uh, the latest trends uh, and obviously what people are looking for. And uh, the most difficult part is that obviously um, is to predict what is going to happen in the next uh, six months just by analyzing the market. And uh, so the, 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 the main, my main responsibility is to make sure that we are up to date with the latest trends, try to understand the market and see where we should put our focus in the next coming six months. And then, obviously, once that work is done, start to do some research in terms of wine regions, uh, wine producer, styles of wines, get in touch with the wineries, uh, go there, meet them, taste their wines, come back to the UK, have another tasting with uh, the rest of the team, and then uh, maybe decide, you know, say, yes, we should give it a go to this producer because I think it has potential. So that's, uh, I know that uh, I said this probably in 45 seconds, yeah. but it takes a lot of time. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, I mean, like, it seems like it was very, I was like, okay, there's more there. <laughs> it, takes, uh, it takes a lot of time because obviously it's, uh, uh, it's never an easy guess. Uh, there is always a lot of work before. And then, uh, in particular, the final selection, if you want really to make sure that you have something unique. Because the other thing about the UK market is that it's a saturated market. Uh-huh. You have wines coming from literally all over the world. Mm-hmm. In terms of conti- the, the continent of Europe, I think it's the only wine market where uh, if you import, uh, I don't know, an Italian red, you are also competing with red wines from Australia, New Zealand, Chile, Argentina. Uh, France is not like that, Italy is not like that, right. and uh, so there is a lot of work because you really need to make sure that you are filling some kind of gap, because uh, one thing that uh, the UK doesn't need is another replica of a specific style of wine that is already there. Yeah. So it takes a lot of time and you need to taste a lot because, uh, you know, it's never, uh, you're never sure that what you have selected is going to work. So it's, uh, you know, trial and error and then uh, you try to divert your route and uh, Eventually, hopefully, you find the, the right wine yeah. for your uh, market. Speaking of right wine for market, in, is there a, uh, in the United States right now, um, there's, a, there's a segment that's this natural wine movement. Is there anything like that going on in the UK as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Uh, there is a, um, a very big natural wine fair road that actually started in London by Isabelle Legeron. And uh, I think the natural wine movement uh, uh, started uh, partly, obviously, in France and Italy with uh, a very traditional wine producer, mm-hmm. but in the UK definitely found uh, immediately a market. And I think it's due to the fact that uh, 
Well, obviously there is a trend towards organic, biodynamic, low sulfides, vegan-wise. But the other thing that I notice on a daily basis when I do wine tasting events with you know the general public mm -hmm. is that uh, people are drinking less. And uh, I know that probably you already had uh, hundreds of people telling this. People are drinking less, but more quality. Right. And this, I don't think it's just about quality. It's also about uh, story. So when they buy a bottle of wine, obviously they want a quality wine, but sure. this, I, I don't think it's enough anymore. They also want a good bottle of wine with a story behind Absolutely. something to tell. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually how, how you, I think, engage with customers nowadays, because it's not uh, enough to have uh, a very nice bottle of wine. Right. You need to make sure that that wine has also some uh, story, a legacy, something you can share with your customer. And that's the way to, to engage with them, because then uh, they are just captured by you know the story. So I think that the other thing about natural wine is that for the vast majority of them, they always has, have a very interesting story behind. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I, but I totally agree with you on the story. Um, I'd like to say, or as an expression, that, that facts, so like rootstock, all the varietal, those are the facts about the wine. So facts tell people, but stories are what sell people, right? Yes. Because when the consumer goes home, they're like, oh my God, this bottle of wine, his family's been making wine for 400 years, yeah. and his, his, you know, he knows his great, great, great grandfather planted the vines, and, and, and just being, and they'll tell the story wrong, but they'll be excited and they'll share their passion because it, it, it is, it's, it's an experience. It's not, yeah. it's, 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 it's not just what's in the bottle nowadays. I, I agree with you. Absolutely. And the other thing is that uh, I think it's very, very important because uh, uh, you can have a lot, you know. When I do a wine tasting or a tasting event, you obviously have a variety of people with a different level of wine knowledge. Yeah. You are never 100% sure right. the level of wine knowledge of the person that is in front of you. And uh, what I notice is that uh, when uh, obviously, uh, if someone has a very good wine knowledge, they yes, they are interested about uh, soil, topography, rootstock, grape varieties, and uh, uh, wine making techniques, uh, yes, because you know, if you are a wine geek, then you want to know that stuff as well. Right. But the way where you can engage even with people that are just, you know, good wine drinkers, passionate about wine, but they don't have wine knowledge, is, uh, you know, the story behind story. the wine. Because yeah. everyone can understand uh, a good story yeah. and everyone can relate right. to a good story. Right. So I think it's uh, the starting point when you want to describe wine. So in terms, of, for instance, of criteria when I need to select my wineries, uh, it's always very important that I have in front of me uh, a family-run vineyard where mm -hmm. I know that I can go there, have a chat, I don't know, with the grandfather and yeah. the father yeah. and the son, and uh, uh, try to understand uh, how can I share these, uh, you know, the family values and their family estate with my customers in the UK. It's yeah. very important. I love that. I love I love your philosophy behind that. So, a um, couple of quick questions, let you go. Uh, so, um, I play a game and I'm going to give you three either wines or regions and you uh, it's called slap lick fondle right so you have to slap one you get to lick one you get to fondle one all right so um, for you because of where you're from <laughs> we're gonna um, we're gonna say okay so um, cava mm -hmm. prosecco mm -hmm. champagne Mm. Who are you licking? Who are you following? Who are you slapping? <clears throat> ah. 
Freaky. Yes, that's the whole point. <laughs> Probably uh, of the three, yeah. I'm going to slap uh, Kava. Mm. Um, it's, it's a bit unfair because actually uh, I think it's uh, uh, now there is a nice movement of uh, young winemakers that are actually bringing a renaissance to Kava. Oh yeah, well, and also I, I didn't want to throw in Raventos, but Raventos, I love Raventos. Yes. Raventos is... Actually, we do sell Raventos. Yeah, Raventos is... Mwah. What they're doing with Tonka and Rio, yeah. the, new, the new deal, yeah. the fact that actually they're saying, okay, Cava is a good wine. Right. It, bad things have been done during the ages. Let's try to know. Right. A blank page, stuff from the beginning. Yeah. So, Like we're talking about a like story. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, but overall, probably that's the one... Uh, you would slap just a couple. Yeah. Get rid of that uh, fresh name. Bye. Okay, got it. <laughs> then, uh, uh, so what's Prosecco? Prosecco and Champagne. So, uh, I guess uh, uh, probably I will leave Prosecco. I think this uh, uh, it's a wine, and you know the UK. The, the the situation is very very tricky because there is a huge gap between you know the DOC prosecco that you find yep. in supermarkets very easily, mm -hmm. and then the, the prosecco, for instance, we have from very small producer near Valdobbiate and a prosecco superior. Yep, yep. And uh, I think in prosecco there is uh, a lot of work that needs to be done by uh, you know influencer, opinion leader, because uh, uh, we run the risk to have a great confusion among customers Absolutely. because otherwise yeah. it's very difficult to understand. And obviously champagne, because... It's champagne. Yeah. It's champagne. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, when we're talking about a story, yeah. I mean, that's the story. Yeah. That's the story. Yeah. Most, it's it, it, uh, arguably the most, it's the most recognizable brand. Yeah. In wine, the champagne. It is, and uh, it never disappoints. So never. the more you taste champagne, and the more you say, there is a reason why champagne yeah. is champagne. Yeah, there absolutely. is a reason. Even you know, last night I went out with some of the other Italian wine ambassador, and obviously we are fanatic about Italian wine. But right. we went to a restaurant with a very good champagne selection, and we opened a couple of bottles and. You know, that's always my, my, my reaction. Yes, yeah. there is a reason why. We had a bunch of champagne too with uh, Dan Petrosky and those guys at uh, uh, Inokobo. And it was, it, was, it was just champagne, 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 champagne. We, we had must have, a couple of magnums and like, oh, this is Jacques Lesson and the Wilmar. I couldn't agree. It's just champagne. Yeah. Although, in terms of uh, that kind of sparkling wine, I must say that uh, Italy is. Uh, Improving a lot and doing very well. If you think about uh, appellation like uh, Francia Corte, yeah, Francia Corte, yeah. yeah. and now uh, also Oltre Popavese. Oltre Popavese is this uh, small region in uh, in Lombardy, and actually they have, uh, I would say, by far in terms of Italy, the best quality Pinot Noir for uh, traditional metal sparkling wine. So very small vineyard in Oltre Popavese, but you can find very little gems down there. I love it. Amazing. Amazing. So, um, bottle of wine that really 
you said you were in tech, you're a wine lover, but was there a, one bottle of tick of wine that you had, like, and you're like, oh my God, I love this. I have to, like, it just, the code went off in your head, like, oh, this is amazing. You mean uh, recently or? Uh... It could be, you know what? It could be, re it's your life, it's your wine life. It could be recently, you, that's what I love about wine, because you'd be like, oh my God, I just had this wine. I've been doing this for 15 years and I had a wine last week that, you know, so yeah. I would say um, probably there are two wines that are very memorable yeah. for me. The first one is uh, uh, a Brunello di Montalcino, probably was 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember uh, the producer, but um, I would say that I'm very um, uh, passionate about Brunello di Montalcino because probably it's the wine mm -hmm. that started my passion for wine. Uh, I went uh, for a small uh, uh, holiday, let's say a long weekend to Montalcino to go in the agriturismo, these uh, small vineyards and farm. And I started to drink, uh, you know, Rosso di Montalcino, Brunello di Montalcino. I said, wow, it's very nice to drink this stuff. And uh, so, Brunello di Montalcino. And then uh, uh, Champagne. So, you know, we just discussed yeah. about Champagne, yeah. but uh, when I was in Italy, I worked uh, for uh, briefly for I think it was 18 months for a small uh, champagne importer and I had the opportunity to taste a lot of champagne from very small vineyards and producers and uh, you know although when uh, you do the tasting it's uh, it has a lot of complexity mm -hmm. in champagne it's very easy to drink and it's something that blows your mind because when you are in front of something with that level of complexity and aging Normally, I realize that, uh, you know, it takes some time to finish the bottle. The amazing yeah. thing about champagne is that even with that complexity, it's just so easy to finish the bottle yeah. if you are alone. <laughs> exactly, especially if you're alone. <laughs> like, what happened? Uh, last question. So we're here at, as I said, the Wine to Venice yeah. Forum. The uh, theme is sharing ideas. Um, what are you most excited for uh, the future of wine? I think, uh, obviously, there are a lot of... Uh, challenges uh, ahead and uh, I think that uh, probably the most exciting thing is uh, uh, the focus of uh, uh, the consumers are putting on uh, uh, local indigenous varieties. I think that uh, wine consumers nowadays are not looking for uh, uh, just, uh, you know, as it was in the past, uh, the big brands in terms of great varieties, Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. But actually, I notice every day that when uh, you are able to bring in front of them uh, a wine made by an almost unknown great variety, they are always engaged. They really want to know more about the great variety. And uh, I think it's exciting in particular for Italian wine, because as you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, it's impossible to taste all the indigenous great varieties of Italy. And uh, we have a huge potential here to do very well in the, in the coming years. And uh, uh, in particular because uh, within those uh, uh, local indigenous grape varieties, we have a lot of uh, uh, varieties that, that can give uh, uh, very light-bodied, fresh, easy-drinking wines. I'm thinking about, for instance, Schiava mm -hmm. for the Reds. Um, and, uh, and that's how the trend is going. So people really are looking for something very nice, of good quality, but something easy drinking, fresh, uh, not, you know, the very opulent uh, wines uh, that they were selling a lot in the past. Yeah. That's my, my talk. Kelly, thank you so much.
Appreciate Thank you getting to Thank talk you. to you a little Thank bit, so man. Wonderful Thank to you. meet you. And uh, what we'll do, I'll make sure that um, when we wrap up, I'll make sure I get like your Instagram, and so I'll put it so people can find your Instagram. Excellent. Right. Excellent. Thanks again, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's MJ. I'm back. I'm still at Wine to Wine conference, and I have two new guests. Please introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm Hermione Ireland. I'm the managing director and publisher of the Academy Demand Library. Okay, and you? And I'm Adam Lechmere, and I'm publishing director at Academy Demand Library. So the Academy Demand, would that be the one that was featured? Well, obviously, a lot of us Americans. By Americans, you've probably seen the movie Bottle Shop, which is a really good... Stephen Spurrier? Yes, Stephen Spurrier. So you guys are uh, carrying on the tradition. We are. So Stephen founded the business in 2018-19 with Hugh Johnson, and they had this lunch, and they were, they were talking about fine wine writing and how they there were these brilliant books from the past mm -hmm. that had, you know, fallen off the, the wayside or whatever, and it was time that somebody did something about it. Uh, so they contacted um, my then boss, Simon McMurtry, who is the president of the WSET, since he does lots of amazing things, he used to run those ways, and they said, let's put this publishing company together. Uh, and, and Adam and I joined later, I joined in 2020, Adam's joined more recently. Um, so we, our mission is to publish just beautiful wine stories. Um, we're not reference publishers. We publish books that we hope will help you fall more in love with regions or with winemakers that you that you already know or find out more about them if you don't. So that was Stephen's vision and uh, and he was very much involved until he passed away in 21. So. I love that. Um, I think one of the things that has happened, we live in such a fast-paced world and with social media and um, but I think there's some, these books are classics, right? Like, the, like literally, these are the books that inspire the people who inspire the people. And, you know, and we live, like I said, we live in such a fast world, so people write a book, but a lot of it is, it's, it's based on this. And I like that we're, we're keeping the connection in wine, right? Like, it's not, I love a lot of new authors, but like, it's not just about wine folly. It's not, not you know, like, it, there, there are some deep, you know, I, I think of like a Kermit Lynch on the Adventures of the Wine Route. Like, these were books that told stories. Why are stories so important to you, Adam? Why do you think stories and wine are so important for the... Why are stories so important? Yeah. I think, I think, I mean, wine is all about stories. I think wine is essentially, I mean, wine is essentially a very, very boring subject. If I, I, I concur, sir. <laughs> if, if you're not drinking it, yeah. if you're not telling the story. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, all wine writers, I mean, no wine writers really like writing tasting notes. It's, you know, tasting notes can be very tedious to write, but when you start telling the stories, and Stephen had a fund of stories, and we all do. I mean, I interviewed, um, I interviewed a young, uh, young winemaker in Bordeaux recently, um, Josephine Dufour-Bagros uh, of, okay. um, of Chateau Beausignon. And the story of how she took over, took back her family chateau, you know, how she went to, um, how she got funding to raise the money to get the chateau back into her family hands after it was going to be sold. Wow. You know, and it's a, you know, she, she's barely 30. Yeah. And it's just such a great story. Yeah. And I'm going to be writing that up as an interview. Yeah. And, and it, you know, I won't be really talking about the wine at all. Lovely, yeah. You know, it's, uh, so... Yeah, those stories are amazing, right? So, like, we're here like, we're in Italy. I interviewed um, Alaria Faluga and having to take over when her father passed away at such a young age, right? People can relate to that. They can relate to death. They relate to the things that happen in life. Like, people... Mm -hmm lose their homes, but people can relate to that, but then the comeback is, it really endears you to, right? So, speaking of stories, how did you get into wine? 
So I'm a relative newbie. I'm a, I'm a book publishing person. I have, okay. I, I've worked in, I've published wine books in the past. Um, Robert Joseph, a lovely Robert who's here at the moment. Um, Tom Stevenson, uh, we published at DK, the, the UK editions of the Robert Parker books. But um, I was approached about the job and I, I'm, I'm a very keen wine drinker and it just seemed like I get to publish wine books. Is that a real job? So uh, so I've been studying. I've done my level two, level three. I'm thinking wow. of doing my diploma. So I have jumped in feet first, or possibly head first, yeah. and I haven't regretted it. So the people in the book industry are some of the nicest people you'll meet. The people in wine are even nicer. Yeah. How about you? How did you get your start? I kind of fell into wine, but, but a long time ago, back in 1999, in the okay. last century, okay. I was working. Well, I, I was kind of. Um, I was a, a very, very um, low-level music journalist, um, writing gossip stories for what we call the Red Top Press, the tabloid press in the okay. UK. And um, and then I went to the BBC, and I was working on websites at the BBC, um, and Decanter um, decided Sarah Kemp, the publishing manager of Decanter, there decided they needed a website. And this was 99, and there weren't that many websites around. She I know, had the vision, yeah. you know, to go to, the, to, to go to the board and say, we must have a website on the counter. And they gave her money in suitcases. And they advertised for a, um, for, a, for, a, for a web editor. And there were very few people who called themselves web editors back in the, back in the, in the last century. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I like Hermione. I mean, I drank a lot of wine, but I didn't know that much about it. So I was a member of the Wine Society. Oh, know. wow. Um, um, which I, uh, my father, I think my grandfather was, was, was a member of the wine society as well. And so, you know, and Sarah saw that, you know, you, that, that you, could, you could learn quickly about wine, but you couldn't learn the journalism. And they wanted a journalist, basically. Sure. And so I started with the canter, was there for 10 years, and uh, here I am. Wow. Um, okay, we, what is the wine society? <laughs> the wine, wine society is the second biggest online retailer in the UK after oh. they but it's the oldest uh, cooperative um, members wine organization. Um, I mean, Hugh Johnson has a his membership number. I think only has two digits because he's yeah. such an early member. Wow. Yeah. Um, they buy it was... collective buying power. They're slightly more they're more at market than those weights. Um, they're not they're not a high high end, but they they just they have fabulous value. Um, it's a much loved organization. Yeah. It was founded. Wine Society was founded in eighteen fifty two. Wow. For the Great Exhibition, the Great Exhibition was the Great Victorian Exhibition in the, in the Crystal Palace yeah. in Hyde Park, um, and a group of wine lovers got together and decided that you know they would form a cooperative society. This was a group of Victorian gentlemen, you know, in uh, sort of high collars and, and, and long coats, and to, <laughs> to form a, um, a cooperative a, a society to bring wine in, um, and and it just built and built and built from there. And I think what's membership now? Forty pounds. Once one. Payment to forty pounds. You, you become a shareholder. Yeah, you become a shareholder, and then you can buy single bottles. You don't have. There's no subscription. You don't have to buy regularly. So there's like no lot, like no, six, three. You can do whatever. Oh, it's brilliant! It's a brilliant. Yeah. And they do have a very, very. They have very, very good buyers. I mean, the wine society. Table, what is this an extended advert? I, well, I'm, I'm going to be calling them about that. <laughs> 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 a little, a little it's basically a very, very good wine retailer. Yeah. Oh, that's outstanding. So. You guys said you that you were enjoying wine before you kind of got into wine. Mm -hmm. um, any particular, um, like, do you have a particular wine region you like? Do you like left bank or right bank? Do you like Bulgari? Do you like uh, Barolo? What, what, what's your kind of go-to? I'm, I'm a, uh, I like 
everything. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I would like to afford to drink more Californian. <laughs> but, we all? but it's expensive. It must be even more expensive it's, in the it, UK. It's expensive in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I've got a passion at the moment for Loire Chenin Blanc. That's mm -hmm. my thing right now. Okay. How about you? I like Hermione, I think. I, I like everything. But it's, it's a really difficult question. It's like, what's oh, your, yeah. oh, your yeah. favourite author? Oh, yeah. favorite book? Yeah. But um, I um, always come back to Spain and I always come back to Rioja. Mm -hmm. And I always say, if, if anybody asks me, like, what's the best value wine in the world? Rioja is, you know, you, 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 you know you're going to get a good bottle at whatever level you buy. You know, so if you're buying a bottle of seven ninety nine yeah. Cap of Viejo, yeah. you know, in the corner shop, I always say if you go to a dinner party and you're, you're you're stuck for a wine and you're just, you know, I say this to my daughters and they're in their twenties, they're stuck for wine. Go to the corner shop. Every corner shop in the country, by law, is required to to, to list Cap of Viejo, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll cost you. What's Cap of Viejo? Six ninety nine. Probably, yeah. It's made in, in it's it's millions. If you ever go to Cap of Viejo, it's a vast, vast wine. Yeah, half it run by robots. Yeah, and um, but the winemaker there, you know, they, to, to be able to make wine at that quality, at that level, in those quantities of millions and millions of bottles, is incredibly hard. So again, that's an extended advert for Campos. But no, Rioja is it's so wonderful. You know, that's when you love wine, you can't help. I mean, like yeah. you can't help and. I think what's great, though, you guys are not, you're not on the, you're on the educational side, so yeah. you're not on, it's not like you, you're a brand ambassador, you're like, oh my God, I've been talking about Spanish wines. Um, but speaking on the education side, so you, you brought three books here. Yeah. Okay. Talk about the uh, three books that you just brought kind of uh, to show that you guys are um, republishing and kind of. Yeah. So actually, so we, we set up, we started out to republish old classics and yeah. mostly what we do now is publish new books. So okay. in, in just in the order, you're just in the order that they're sitting on here. So yeah. uh, we published the English edition of Jean-Michel Clarke's memoirs um, in the spring, translated by Jane Anson. Jane bought us the book. Jane is oh, Jane's wonderful. We, I mean, Adam works with Jane. We're huge fans of Jane. Yeah. More plugs for Jane. Um, I know. Um, and, 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 and this was this was Jean-Michel wrote this in French last year, so it's a brand new book. Oh, um, okay. and we were able to publish it just before he passed, which we were really to do, and he was very pleased with it. I mean, Jean-Michel was such an important figure in, in Bordeaux. He, he did so much to uh, reinvigorate Bordeaux. And this is a business story, but it's an adventure story. You know, it's a story of a man who was just a passionate um, innovator, somebody who wanted to bring Bordeaux into the, the 21st century. So that's a memoir, yeah. as is Stephen's book. Now, Stephen's book had been published a year or two before we were set up. Yeah. It was horrible edition. It had been badly edited. Mm. And we wanted it on our list. It had already it had gone in, out in one printing. They hadn't kept it in print. I mean Stephen, talking about, you know, the things you were saying about people's lives and how things, you know, if things that happen to people in the wine industry happen to everyone. Stephen had so many business ups and downs that I think a lot of people would relate to. But he did some extraordinary things. You know, the judgment of Paris was not something he set out to do as a groundbreaking thing. He was just this extraordinary explorer. He was super generous. Um, he was open to new things. I mean, he was always interested in new wine regions. So this is the story of a man who, as we know, and uh, you know, the Americans love him probably even more yeah. than the Brits, yeah. who just did a lot of good work in his life. Um, and then the third book on Burgundy is our latest book. 
So this is the fourth in this series of anthologies that are brilliant. From Manning to Marvelous, yes, that yeah. is, that is perfect. Um, so we have this brilliant colleague, Susan Keeble, who was the editor of Decanter um, a while back, and she puts these anthologies together. And she commissions um, some existing pieces and she commissions new pieces from some of the top writers, most of the top writers, really, who write on Burgundy. And we've done Bordeaux, we've done California, we've done Champagne, and we're going to do Tuscany next year. So this is a way of understanding about a region without it being a dry reference book. It's basically stories, from, and it's lots of different perspectives. Um, so it talks about the history and then where we are now. And Obed de Villain wrote forward, and Justin Morris wrote the introduction. So... You know, we just we like to produce high quality books, and you can see they've, they're all hardback and they've got um, bookmarks. Um, they have some illustrations, and yeah, we're very proud of them. Yeah, should be. So, what else do you do at the Academy de Vin? Um, do you offer class? I mean, we do. We're, we're, we're just launching classes in London, and our colleagues in Canada are, have been running courses. And this is Stephen's original um, set right. of courses from Paris, but okay. completely updated because back in the day. He only talked about, he taught with French writers, and now it has to be global. Um, so we've got lots of different courses that we're running out of Toronto. We've got, uh, we're launching in Mexico. There's other things going on in the US. Our colleague is in uh, Vegas right now doing something um, for the Last Drop uh, charity as part of the Formula One um, event that's going on there. So yes, we will be doing courses in, in the new year in London. Um, anything else? Central uh, Fights. Oh yes, we've got some new, uh, we're going to do some new small format uh, wine travel guides next year, which okay. we're very excited about. Um, Let me just jump in there. Can yes. I jump in there? Do, you do, you go. The Central Fights is, is uh, it's one of those ideas, I know it's my idea, but <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those, we, 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 th we think it's a really, really good idea. It's a niche mm -hmm. that, that really, we, we think we're going to open up. Essential wine facts for travellers. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! So there you go. Oh, that's a great idea. So that's not. So that's not. It's not the elevator pitch. This right. is the pitch even before you press yeah, the button. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is this is because you say essential wine facts for travellers, and you know instantly what this is going to be. Exactly. It's going to be the essential wine facts that you need to go to Rioja, for example. We're starting um, with Rioja. This yeah. may not surprise um, you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is a series of These are going to be small format. Um, paperbacks. Affordable. Um, affordable. Yeah. They're going to be essentially, crucially, in the travel section of bookshops. Yes. Not in the wine section, because everybody yeah, knows the wine, wine section of the bookshop is often on the third floor. And it's tiny. It's very narrow, has lots of very big books in it. It's not the sort of book you want to put in your pocket. I mean, you know, our books are fabulous, but you, you would know, take them on So, so that's, that's the direction that we're going in. And we'll be collaborating with our sister publication, Club de Logique. The magazine. I love Colin. Okay, that's right. Cool. Right, which is our sister publication, He's part of the same group. Okay. Uh, which I also work for. Um, and they'll be doing the listings, they'll be doing the gazetteer at the back of the book, which will be in Rioja, all the bodegas to visit, the restaurants, where to go out at night. And then we'll be doing the, the sort of narrative at the beginning, which yeah. is a little bit of history. And it basically equips and you. Explaining the lines. You know, you pick it up at the airport, you take it out of your pocket on the plane, and you go, oh, yeah, this is, oh, these are the great varieties of real. Ah, that's the difference between reserve and grand reserve, etc., etc. So we're looking forward to that. that that's very exciting. Um, and you said this, but please elaborate a little more on why do you? Why was it so essential to put it in the travel section? 
volume. I mean, you can yeah. reach far, far more people. There are lots of people who are who like wine. They're interested in wine, but they don't go to the wine section. They're not that interested, but they are right. going to Rioja. Right. Not necessarily just for the wine, but they're going and they know they want to visit some wineries. Mm-hmm. And these those people need this book. Yeah, and I think and I think that's one of the things that intercede most people. Most people who enjoy wine don't aren't that into it where they, they don't need to know the call selection because if they're on vacation, they've been drinking Rioja, right? And they're going like, oh, let's go to Rioja. And it just cuts the chase, right? Like, so I, I think that is, you know, wine is this beverage that brings people together and it's to be shared with food. Um, and you can go for a deeper dive, but like, it seems like what you're doing, you're really honing on and on helping the, the average consumer and enjoy it more. It's what well, exactly It's the, I mean, it's, it's I mean, what, the brief we give to our authors is this is for um, wine interested tourists. Mm. You know, it's people, I mean, a friend of mine, whenever he goes anywhere, he rings me up. You know, he's, he's, just, he's just been in Stellenbosch. Rings me up and says, I'm going to Stellenbosch, what should I do? What should I visit? And I put him in touch with a couple of winemakers, I put him in touch with, um, you know, a couple of people who might show him around and they show him around the winery. So it's like the arm around the shoulder, basically, isn't it? It's taking because... Alan with you. <laughs> <laughs> taking me. Yeah. <laughs> If you like. Without some of the inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what, uh, you've been here for a day and a half, well, a day, um, we're not at the half yet. Um, what, um, what have you taken away so far from the conference? Well, he gave a great speech about the state of the UK fine wine market. He won't say that, but it was very good. Um, we were very impressed by Regine's AI. Um, I heard it, I heard it, I heard it, I heard it. It was fascinating. The AI, I found that fascinating. I mean, AI, AI is just, I think what the, the takeaway from that talk was we, none of us have any idea really yeah. where it's going, what's happening. And if he, she comes back next year and does the same talk, it'd be totally different. Oh, it'd be like she'll say last year, it could be 10 years ago. Yeah. We, we haven't a clue. I mean, there was that fascinating, um, she asked AI to, she asked, um, not chat, Dali. To do a, a poster for um, a, uh, a, a poster for a wine tasting in the style of Picasso, and it produced these really groovy. You know, that, yeah. that you could. It's pretty insane. Yeah. But what was fascinating? Did you did you see it? Did no, you, I didn't see you? it. But I, Dan Petrosky was talking today. He he showed me something he did with his brand. Like he said, create. He's like create a a Tesla and Massacan blue with the racing stripe, and like and he put the Panatone number in. He has this idea for um, agro-tourism. And it came out with this, ama- this amazing Tesla with the stripe. And then and on the license plate, it had the Panatone number. So that's what, I mean, like, it's just smart. Like, it's, 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 it's bizarre. bizarre. It's like it's got a sense of humor. Because yeah. the poster, you know, the faces were the, 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 the faces were the, 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 the start of the castle. Yeah. But it also jumbled up the lessons of wine tasting. So it didn't say wine tasting. It said W-T-I-N-E. Uh, yeah, w tasting. Yeah, and I thought that the 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 the, 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 the bot had done it in the, the words in the style of Picasso. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow! As if it had a sense of humour. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, other people disagree with me. But, um, and but that I find terrifying. The things got a sense of humour. I find that equally yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. But it's been a, a great session. I mean, the the dinner on Sunday night was fantastic. Um, hearing what the about Valpantina? Is that the Val? Oh, um, Val, no, I'm not saying it right. Valpantina. No, but yes. Valpantina. Yeah. Anyway, that was that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, Natalie Spielman yesterday was 
again talking about um, the cooperation that the Italians talk about, um, which is very interesting. You know, cooperation, competition yeah. uh, in a region, um, and she was talking about the pros and cons and what you need to make it work. I thought that was a great session too. So, since you brought up, what what is the state of the UK wine market, Adam? What is this? Well, the UK fine wine. Market. Yes, yes. Well, well, I mean, the UK wine market. I mean, it's, it's it's very interesting. The UK is, um, you know, by reputation, is incredibly broad, very dynamic. Okay. I mean, in any supermarket, um, you know, you can get wine. You can you can buy a, you can buy a, a dry ferment from Hungary. You can buy a wine from Georgia. You can buy an American wine. Actually, um, you know, in reality, it's actually quite narrow. People's wine, you know, people's wine decisions are actually quite narrow. Yeah. So you go to Sainsbury's and you'll see a huge range of, 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 of whites. When you look closer, you'll see that there's seven or eight Kiwi Sauvignon Blancs. Right. You know, but the but moving, the fine wine market is also quite an interesting state because um, you know an article of faith has always been that you know um, wine is not volatile. Wine is will be the most stable, the most robust investment, the most robust collectible, you know, collectible you, can, you can get. But actually, it's dipping now. Um, in the last in the last six months, the last two quarters, um, it's, it has gone down because of all the all the um, conflicts that are going on, all the all the, 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 the difficulties that are affecting the world. Well, the, the cost of living crisis is fairly significant in the UK as it is in lots of places. Yeah. Adam was saying yesterday that. Well, the super rich is still super rich. The next tier down, who, yeah. you know, they're, they're feeling. The, yeah, I've had to get yeah. so many of my wine allocations because I'm, I'm like two tiers down from next tier down. Like literally, like, <laughs> like it's the first thing that goes. Yeah. Right? Like I, absolutely. You know, this I, is what everybody's saying. Yeah, yeah that, that it's it's the uh, it's the aspirational buyers. You know, yeah, who are buying yeah. super seconds rather than first. Right, exactly. Right. Like, like, you know, like yeah. when you're spending fifty, sixty a bottle, and I'm like, I don't have sixty. I don't have you know three hundred and sixty bucks right now yeah. to spend. So. I'm going to go back to my wonderful $15 Spanish Ganaka. <laughs> um, that's great. Um, so, a couple more questions for that you go. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. Um, is there a, a memorable bottle like along your journey? Because you both came to it like, accidentally, right? So, was there a bottle of wine early on in your journey where you're like, oh, I, I kind of, this wine thing kind of, I get it. Like, oh, I, like, you know, I, you have that moment where like, you have that, one of my moments at an 86 Mouton, I was like, oh my God, wow, this is the truth. I, now I understand Bordeaux, what the big deal is. And it doesn't have to be even the first growth, it's just been like, like, it could be a bottle Rioja, like I said, that's just, um, do either of you have a bottle like that or two? I don't have an early one, either in my drinking life or in the, the getting into wine, but I've had a very recent one, Wonderful. which was really exciting. And what you said about, you know, wine is about sharing. And when you're with wine people, they bring out bottles and they give you amazing wine. I, I saw there was a trade event at 67 Palmao, and a few of us had gone upstairs. And this gentleman joined us. I can't even remember how he joined us. He's one of the founding members. He's probably pretty wealthy. And he brought out a bottle, of, and it, it was decanted. It was a very rich yellow wine, and we were all trying to guess what it was. Uh, and we were, we, were, we were coming up with reasons why it wasn't X, Y, and Z. You know, it wasn't a Jura, but maybe it could have been, and we were talking about regions. And it, we, all, we didn't get it. And it was a 2003, maybe 2002, um, Chateau Mozart Blanc. Ooh. And we published Ooh. the book on Chateau Mozart, and I've been to a couple of Chateau Mozart masterclasses, 
and love. You know, I mean, you know, Shatter is our fans, our fans, right? Well, yeah. And it was just, it was such a great event because we were testing ourselves, okay, we were failing, but it was his generosity. He brought out this beautiful bottle from the cellar, from the cellar downstairs. And to me, that is what wine, the wine industry and wine generally is all about. Love it, love it. How about you, Adam? That's a brilliant bottle of Amarone last night. Really? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that, I mean, let's talk about sharing. I mean, we had dinner last night with, uh, that's what, 10 of us around the table? 11 of us around the table. In um, a, a restaurant with a superb list. Yeah. But um, our host, um, I can't name of the producer now, I've got it written down. Um, my phone. A bottle of um, 2015 um, Amarone that was, was absolutely delicious. And we were all around the table, and all being wine people, we were unafraid to talk about it. And, uh, um, it was the, uh, it was the um, La Bionda, Cala Bionda. Oh, wow. Um, which I, I'd never heard of. There you go. Do you want to see that? Yeah. That's the 20, 2015 um, Amarone Classico from Cala Bionda. Wonderful. Um, which I've never heard of. Uh, you heard of it? No, no. Not many of us around the table. That's fantastic. Just the most delicious wine. But, but it's, it's always occasion rather than bottle for me. I yeah. think it's, it's just, you know, on my honeymoon many years ago, we went to Turkey and we, we, um, we stayed on, a, on an island um, just off the coast of Turkey and we went up to a monastery to dine. Um, and I remember sitting on the terrace of this monastery. And the monks bringing out, you know, dish after dish of delicious, delicious food, um, and this rough red wine in in, in jars, you know, in, in, um, unnamed, unlabeled, and really rough. But sitting there in the sunset on on, on my honeymoon, <laughs> it was, yeah. but just thinking, this is this is just fabulous. Yeah. And the wine, of course, you know, we were crying out, more wine, more <laughs> wine, <laughs> and, uh, and it was funny. Yes. Yeah, but it is. It's I, the occasion. It's the I agree. It's the yeah. occasion. It's the company. You know. Yeah. And, um, and so much you said, generosity, and when, when people do wonderful things like that, you have the, these these experiences that that this industry brings us. You know. Mm. All right. So a couple more things. Um, we're gonna play that game I told you about, which is slap lick fondle. I'll give you three <laughs> grapes or three regions and. You have to slap one, you lick one, you get the final one. So we're going to start with you, uh, Adam. We're going to start with... Um, it's slapping a positive thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you know, I know it's so funny. It's that's why down. It could, be, it, could, it, could, it could be either, right? Depending on your abilities, exactly. That's why, that's why yeah. I, I said, that's up to you. Um, so I'm, I have to... I'm, so uh, Tempranillo, Graciano... Arnaca, I'm going to throw you the real hot grapes. <laughs> that can be blamed. Right. So, but, so which do you slap? Which do you, yeah, yeah, you take which you find. Which one you slap, which one you lick, which one you find. Right, that's a good, good question. I, I, mean, I, I love them all in their place. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, um, Garnacha obviously is taking much more center stage in, in Rioja now, as you know, because it's, it's got such a lovely, you know, Garnacha, they say, is, um, is uh, you know, like a poor man's Pinot. You yes, know? yes. It's got that lovely profile. So, um, a lovely, sort of lifted, crunchy fruit. So I guess you'll feel fondle for Garnacha. Okay. Um, the Tempranillos, I mean, I never, I would never be so uh, presumptuous as to slap Tempranillo. <laughs> I mean, Tempranillo is, 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 the, is the noble grape of Rioja, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And, and, um, it's an incredibly important grape. And it can, you know, it does wonders in, in 
be handled in oak. But I suppose slap it because um, because um, it can handle it actually. Yeah. Exactly. It can take it. I mean, they have they, they have hundreds of years. Well, they have more than hundred years of expertise yeah. in Rioja and oak, and um, never say that, that that you know the Rioja doesn't know how to. They're, they're, they're master blenders. And tickle, um, yeah. What, what's that? Uh, lick. Lick. Oh, tickle the the. Uh, yeah. So no, what happens is I I, I, oh, I lick the yeah, yeah, yeah. I sometimes I, I see. Pickle or Lickle, so that's well, just, Lickle, the Russian that's just yeah. the New Jersey accent. Yes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hermione, um, let's see, what are we going to do for you? Okay, so let's do, okay, we'll do Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read it to you. Napa Valley, uh, Bulgari, mm -hmm. or Bordeaux. Mm. That's how I know I, I got a good question. Okay, um, so I'm thinking of them all in, the, in their Cab Sauvignon, yep. you know, uh, okay. iterations, uh, because it's the thing they all have in common. Correct. So that's not going to think about that. Okay. Um, mm, mm, mm. Okay, I don't know enough about Bulgari. I'm a bit scared of it, so mm. I, I might have to um, slap Bulgari. I'm really sorry to say that more in Italy. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to fondle Napa because I, you know, I... I love some of their big powerful. Yeah. Um, I think my palate is not as. I mean, this. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm no, not finishing that, no, that sentence. Like, thank you. Well, no, it's not just about dissing myself. It was going to implicitly diss what I was going to the region yeah. I was going for. So I'm not going to do yeah. that. Um, I've just had some fabulous um, Opus One um, with Michael Salacci. I'm name dropping mm. here in in New York. Uh, so I'm definitely calling that. Um, which, <laughs> which leaves Bordeaux in the middle. Yeah, um, so I'm going to lick Bordeaux. Outstanding. I love it. Thank you. And I love the explanation. <laughs> um, uh, one more question. We'll start with you. What are you most excited about? So we're here. We're sharing ideas. Uh, Industry is going through some things. But what are you most excited about for the future, either for yourself or the Academy of the Bad? What are you most excited about for the future? That's a good question. I mean, for the future, I'm really excited about getting these courses online. And that ties with what I'm excited about, well, interested in for the industry, which is reaching younger people. You know, this, that's the big challenge facing the wine, well, one of two or three or four really big challenges facing the wine industry, but I think the younger demographic is is the one that we all need to um, to work out how to bring into the fold. Madam, how are you? What are you most excited about for the future? Um, I, I just, I'm really pleased to have joined the Canterbury Man Library because I, I love books, I love, um, I love print. When we when we launched um, Clubbing the Logique, mm -hmm. I remember taking the magazine around, and people used to you know, get the magazine. It's tactile. No fondle, yeah. like fondle, fondle you know? <laughs> But also, what they do is they go, ah, they, they put their noses into it and smell yeah. the paper. And and books. I mean, you know, this this format. You know, is how many thousands, how many hundreds of years old? You know, many. I mean, um, well, since Gutenberg. Since Gutenberg. Since, yeah. since Gutenberg. Yeah. And, and really, the, something else or sixteen something. And, and if somebody was to come from from the from the fifteenth century and be placed here, they would instantly recognise this as a book. It's a format that is so enduring; mm -hmm. it, it's perfect. It will never change. And the idea that I mean, you know, the magazine industry was 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 was, was crucified by by the internet. 
but book publishing has yeah. never been more robust, never right. healthier. Yeah. And I just, I, I just love it. I mean, my, my father was a bookseller, you know, and, and I grew up with books. And um, so, so that's sorry, that's personally for me. Yeah. But I think, as Hermione says, you know, we, we, there's so much we can do, and all our new series, all our new books, um, and just, you know, without alienating our um, our older demographic, our older readers, attracting those younger readers, you know, and it's a tricky. Yeah. It's a tricky balancing act, but you know, it's doable. Yeah, that is exciting. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Hope this was painless for you. It was very exciting for me. Really oh, enjoyed it. No, Thank no. you so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell everybody how they can be a part of what you're doing in the Academy of Demand, where they can find you. Yeah, come and find us at www.academydemandlibrary.com. It is long. Um, I will give you a code. There will be a code for um, five dollars or five pounds off. Um, that will be in the if that's okay. With that's you, totally okay. That absolutely. will be in, in the notes at the bottom of the yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will give that to you. you can, perfect, outstanding. Yeah. I'd love to extend that to Sign the listeners. Up to the newsletter. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you again. It was just fun. Really appreciate it. And look forward. Thank to you, Thank you My pleasure. All right, we'll see you soon. My love for Grenache is unabashed. I have no shame in my game when it comes to the world's greatest grape. Uh, if you want to take a deeper dive into uh, this incredible varietal, uh, you should go over to GrenacheStudy.com and get on the uh, email list. That way uh, you can find out about events that will be happening around the country and very soon around the world. Just go to GrenacheStudy.com, enter your best email address, and I look forward to drinking some Grenache with you in 2024 and beyond. What's up? It's MJ. I'm back doing what I do back at the uh, Wine to Business Conference. I just finished actually speaking not too long ago. And now I'm sitting down for another interview. My guest right now is Alice Wong. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, being here. Um, so we kind of met yesterday, but for people who, who don't know you, Alice, what, how did you uh, how did you come into the world of wine? Well, it's an interesting story. I try to keep it brief. Uh, it was actually my husband who started getting me into studying wine. Mm -hmm. uh, he went to school in Cornell, and in Cornell, a lot of students towards the last year they take they take a wine class yep. as one of the electives. So um, and he did. So I didn't go to Ivy League, but when we first started dating, uh, he tried to me with all this wine knowledge. I was like, wow, these guys are really sophisticated uh, for new grads. Uh, so over time, as, as it goes, as it went, um, I was like, actually, do you know what I'm paying for? Why don't you study some wine? <laughs> okay, so, okay, and then he obviously regretted saying that. Then I did my WSLWT with a three, and then uh, we were in New York at that time. Okay. And then we moved to Hong Kong in um, 2013, and then I I wasn't working at that time, uh, so so he asked me, well, you are doing nothing. Why don't you study more wine? So then I did my diploma. Wow. And then I got uh, the chance to meet with all great people during the two-year program, and I got a lot of connections, and I, that's how I started. So um, You started because of a boy who was <laughs> trying to impress you. Very and cool. then challenged me. Yeah, and then, and then, yeah, and then challenged you. You showed him. Um, so during that time period, like, what were some of the wines that he, like, you go out on dates, what were some of the wines he was bringing on the dates or he would order, like, that kind of, something had to pique your interest? Well, uh, he, he went to Cornell, so one of the main wines. Well, they have the hospitality program, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it was Riesling. Riesling from the Finger Lakes area. Yeah, so okay. Riesling from uh, Finger Lakes, but also Riesling from Germany at that time. Okay. So it's interesting comparison, 
I think one of the, the wine that ended up getting us more conversation was a Merlot. When we first started dating, we didn't have much to talk about, we're in common. Uh, and then one <laughs> night we went to an Italian restaurant and we just looked in the list and there's something that's B, let's order that. And then we were like, wow, this is a really nice wine. That's like the only thing we had in common. Uh, but uh, th those were still my two favorite wines at this time, German recently and Merlot. Um, I love it, I love it. So. You uh, have your WSC, you went through the whole diploma, correct? Yes. Okay. And how did you come to uh, be here in Verona for this conference? All right. Uh, so when we did our diploma, we had to study wines from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Honestly, not, I don't really care about some of the regions that we had to, yep. to complete the program. And uh, when we finished that process, me and many of our classmates were like, oh, we, not, we need to now really focus on something we like. So then I, uh, what I like was Italian wines. So that's when I applied to study for the Veneto-Li in Italian Wine Ambassador Program. Mm -hmm. So that was in 2018. That was when uh, they had the enhanced, enhanced version, uh, now taught by uh, Sarah Helen, Master of Wine, and also Ham Gavar. And it was the first edition, so we're the first batch of students doing that program. Uh, so it's been uh, five years now. Wow. So, uh, and what does what does a, a wine ambassador do? Um, Stephen is going to kill me for that if I don't say it correctly. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we we just need to uh, do whatever Stephen says uh, quickly, effectively, briefly, precisely, quickly. Uh, that's her motto. Uh, well, we, we we are we need we're trying to. Well, I like Italian wine, so that's not that difficult. We should sure. just to tell say the great things about Italian wine. In an um, effective way, uh, I think when we look at the exam criteria, mm -hmm. it's one of, the, one of the things they look for is for someone to be able to speak compellingly about uh, uh, what's special about Italian wines. You don't go on and on and put people to sleep. Uh, get to the point. So, and for our, so when they had the enhanced version of the exam, one of the I think ten percent of the grade is to is to do a video project. Okay. So. Um, you have to to be in a group of four people. You're given five minutes. Uh, each of you have a uh, split the work to talk about the topic. Your your video cannot overrun. You cannot you cannot try to prove to be smart and give extra information that waste people time. So f imagine five minutes for four people. Each person only have a little bit more than a minute. So you really have to learn to speak clearly, but uh, get people's attention. So uh, that's the most challenging thing that I'm still learning. Every yeah, I was like, give me an example. Give me an example of a hook you would use. Okay, so uh, what's what's this Barolo wine? Okay, it's a red wine. <laughs> I got one point for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, so it's one of the uh, most iconic Italian wines uh, that I think that wasn't the first one I knew uh, when I knew Italian wines. I think most people know about Prosecco and Chianti. Barolo, mm -hmm. for a lot of people, is uh, maybe the second or third one they heard about. But they call it the king of wines and one of kings because of the history of the wine that was served um, and was made during the uh, earlier time in Piemonte. So it's uh, one of the most tannic, most structured, uh, uh, but also have uh, wine that has a really long aging potential. So it can evolve into something very magical. So that's what makes it most famous. Mm. So, and along with is in Alba in Piemonte, and that area is also famous for red wine troubles. So actually, a lot of characters that you may find in Barolo is uh, truffle mushroom characters. Ah, so they go together. 
Yes, what grows together goes together. Um, so it seems as if you had a really accelerated wine journey, right? Because you said like 2013 is when you took your first. 2018. So now we're in 2023. Okay, so you so you started your uh, WSET in 2018. Okay, no, so WSET diploma, let's say. Yeah. So don't forget about the level two, level three. Yeah, exactly. So right. diploma is 2016. Okay, so. Yes. So, when did you do your level um, two and three? Uh, that was uh, 2009. I remember that because uh, and that was I, I got pregnant City? at that time. Yes. Okay. So I uh, I was uh, I didn't do so well with the tasting because I blamed my pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, my my sensory like, like, system got screwed. Baby. Messing up mom's palate. Yeah, yeah. So I remember after I finished the tasting, I'm just need to lay low. Yeah. So it was 2009 when I was pregnant. I did my level three and I rested for a few years. Wow. Uh, and then I did pick up my level four in Hong Kong. So All right, so this is like quite the journey. So yeah, yeah this is like 10, this is over 12, like 12, 13, 14 years. So. You're trying to expose my age now. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> but no, I just think, no, I, what, what had you stick with it? I mean, like, what had you stick with it? Because that is a, a long, it's not a long time, but like, right, right. But uh, like you're having a child, like it'd be easy to walk away, right? Because you weren't working in the industry. Where you at? Yeah. Or well, were you? Uh, I was a physical. I'm a physical therapist. So okay. That was so yeah. My training. Right. So I'm still actually still do practice part time because okay. uh, I need to keep my skills in case one day I need it. Yeah. Uh, to um to uh, to whatever. So uh, but I'm a Virgo, so I'm 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 stubborn. I hang on to stuff. I don't let go. <laughs> so and I honestly I got a really good opportunity in Hong Kong uh, to do all these great things that um, that I thought is I'll be stupid to throw them away. Uh, so I met with, uh, when I took my level four mm -hmm. uh, course, I met with a group of really good people mm -hmm. also into Italian wines and somehow we got the connections uh, to end up um, working closely with the uh, Consulate General of Italy in Hong Kong and also the Italian Trade Agency. So that's, uh, that's the official uh, source of a lot of events. I mean, there are always Italian events here and there, but when you get the chance to work with Italian government, I mean, like, how can I let it go? I was just very lucky. Yeah. And a lot of great people that along the way that helped me. We, we don't just work. It was fun also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so that was, um, we were quite happy. And then after doing that for a few years, it was a pandemic, and then it was really uh, important to continue to push for the industry. With a lot of, a lot of uh, suppliers, restaurants were not doing well, mm -hmm. so that's even more important to push it. So yeah, I got my Vinatoli ambassador in 2018. Two years later, it was 2020, the pandemic. Yep. So um, so now we're out of it. Um, it's just also for my learning experience. It's great to see how things change, how things can improve. Um, so it's interesting. And where are you based out of? Hong Kong. You're based out of Hong Kong. Yep. Um, what's the wine scene like in Hong Kong? Yeah, that's um, uh, it boomed since two thousand, I think seven, when uh, they the government decided to uh, leave any tax requirement for wine. Uh, so, uh, so I think before it wasn't anything like that. So I think for now, uh, the wine market in Hong Kong is quite mature. Maybe not as mature as Japan, mm -hmm. uh, but because of the zero tax policy, uh, it's it attracted a lot of producers to come. Uh, people really invest. So I think um, the Christie Auction House before yep. uh, obviously did well in New York and in London. Uh, but ever since Hong Kong became tax-free, 
over again. So the, a lot of times their highest uh, amount of transaction happen in the Hong Kong trade. Wow. But it's not just in fine wine. In the beginning, it was in fine wine because People care about that for investment, yeah. uh, but I think the culture of wine drinking has spread to different levels in the society. So you can now see people who are not in the highest income bracket mm-hmm. would still be interested to drink wine. They don't have to be an expert; they just think it's part of lifestyle. Now, you said that you know you, Riesling is one of the grapes you love. <coughs> Excuse me, German Riesling. Um, and I know <coughs> that um, Riesling pairs really well with spicy foods. Yep. So, you want water? Um, no, it's just, <laughs> it's just a tickle. <coughs> Thank you. I'm going to have wine. Um, <laughs> that's not going to help. It's just scratching. Um, Hong Kong, uh, China, right? Yeah. It was turned over 1999? Seven. Oh, seven, seven. Hong Kong was seven. Macau okay. was 99. Okay, um, so what's the cuisine there? Okay, uh, Cantonese. It's Cantonese, okay. Yes. So um, I'm not really great at knowing the differences in all kinds yeah, of Chinese yeah. uh, cuisine, but it's good that at least you point it out because it actually varies quite a bit yeah. between the north and the south mm-hmm. of China. Uh, so not as actually not as spicy as okay. most people think. Yep. I mean, they're in the Sichuan north. is more spicy. Sichuan is definitely spicy, yeah. and even some of the Shanghainese food is more spicy and oily, and the okay. sauce is heavy. Yeah. Uh, in Cantonese, I think a lot of times we actually steam or okay. we use fairly light soy sauce. Okay. So that's traditional Cantonese food. Uh, I think that we also have a mix of British culture yep. in our background. So mm-hmm. a lot of times when you go to what we call local. Uh, Cafeteria, that sort of restaurants. Mm-hmm. You see uh, a fusion of Chinese pork chop over pasta. Oh, wow. uh, that, so that's our version of uh, uh, casual food, uh, lunch food. Not real food, not fast food, but yeah, we we quite diverse in terms of that. So what, what are some of your favorite pairings? Like, do you pair Barola with pork chop over pasta? Like, what are some of your pairings when you're back home? Um, well, my favorite pairing, I, interesting you ask, because I just had my, I just taught my last class. I, I teach WSET classes now. Uh, so um, the last topic for level two mm-hmm. uh, is always on sparkling wines and fortified wine. So yeah. I try to bring food to my classes uh, because it makes it more fun and also on applications. Uh, people know when you just drink wine without going with food for students, it's hard to memorize all the great varieties and, yeah. the, and the characters of the wine, but when you go with food, it's just so much easier to remember. So it was on sparkling, and, and I've thought for a long time. I know someone think it's kind of cheesy and lame, but I love sparkling wine with fried chicken. No, <laughs> I, 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 I... And french fries. Yeah. So yeah. I got an order, it was a class of 20 people, I order deliveries for KFC. I was like, you have to go KFC, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we had Popeyes around, I would have Popeyes, but yeah, KFC, yes. Uh, but otherwise, it's white truffle season now. Mm-hmm. I don't eat white truffle every day. Uh, but yes, obviously, if we go have uh, Barolo and white truffle, uh, that would be a, a fancy, nice dinner. I also, um, I don't do that every day, but I just had a very nice silver oak dinner uh, not too long ago. Okay. Uh, at the American Club in Hong Kong, and the chef um, did an amazing job with pairing. Uh, he, that dinner was also sponsored by the U.S. government for the meat supply. Okay. Um, the so, Beef Council. 
Yeah. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> so, um, so he one of the dishes he wanted to he tried to showcase there are many different ways to uh, to use uh, U.S. Uh, meat products. Yeah. Uh, so one of the dishes, and he showed it in different cuisine of Asia. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to pronounce the name of that dish, but it was a Thai dish with beef in it and some lime and spicy sauce. And it paired, he paired it with a silver oak cap. Okay. So which is very interesting. Yes. Uh, uh, the same chef a couple of years ago with a 100 acre dinner, he paired it with sea urchin. So that's not typical that people will pair yeah, seafood no, I mean, with I would not cap. Pair, I would not think to pair a sea urchin with um, Yeah, but actually they are very rich. But both very rich in flavor, and the sea urchin wasn't fishy. Yeah. It was just rich in texture and creamy. It worked really well. And the same for the Thai dish with the beef the other day with silver oak. Uh, the flavor was full body. It was full body, but not too bold yeah. and overwhelming. Overwhelming. Uh, and the cabernet has really good acidity, uh, and it went really well with the citrus, the lime yeah. uh, for the beef. So it was it was interesting. Uh, I think I think more and more times now I think. Uh, it's really good to explore different options. Never say no. Yeah. Although, if I tell my students, if you take your WSET exam, go back to your textbook and do exactly what they say. <laughs> no, no tenning foot with seafood for the exam. In real life, you can, but don't do that. Got it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, was Landon Patterson at that dinner? Uh, the Hundred Acre dinner. Landon Patterson is now the CEO of Hundred oh. Acre, but he's been the national sales guy forever. Big Maybe. tall. He probably was, because that's what he does. He used to fly around. And do these expensive dinners around I the think world. So, I think so, so he had to have been there. Yeah. Tall guy, um, nice guy, but I, when you said Landon. Um, so let's go back to, you know, we're going to wrap up soon, thank you, but let's go back to uh, you're dating your husband, right? And, <laughs> okay. Uh, is there a bottle of wine that was memorable for you? Like he said, you go learn about wine, but what, was there a bottle where you're like, oh, this wine is kind of interesting. I get this. Do you have a, a, a memory like that? Um, it might be um, actually a bottle of Shirak from Australia. Yep. Um, even though he, he went on to study WSL level 3 as well, but then he stopped. He, uh, at that time, uh, I did my diploma first. He said, well, when you finish your diploma, give me your notes and I'll just study myself. And after he saw what I went through, he said, I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, but actually, he has a much better palette than I, I have. Uh, I'm the one who really have to look at the SAT lexicon. It's like, okay, maybe this, maybe that. He's a natural. So he, he just, uh, one sip or a little bit of smell, he can pick up, he can come up with 20 vocabularies. I'm not as talented. My skill is more like acquired. Uh, so I think one time when he helped me study, was not actually not a that's what we're looking for. <laughs> he was going to help me do a blind tasting for level four exam, um, and he was guiding me. Um, I was like, "How can you guide me in level three and level right. four? Um, but, but he walked me through the process of like write down your most obvious observations, um, uh, by current uh, spicy. Mm -hmm. What spice? What spice? Black pepper. And then he went through the, the texture, full body, yada yada yada, and he helped me. So that was actually. I'm up until this day. I still wish he would. Maybe he would do it one day. The diploma because I think he deserves it more than I do. It's just I think he's intelligent in a lot of things. Uh, he just usually he doesn't teach very well because mm -hmm. he's too smart and he doesn't understand what stupid people think. Uh, but that was one time when I feel that I actually understand what he's talking about. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right. So um, 
little fun game I play with grapes and my guests. It's called Slap, Lick, Fondle. I'm going to give you three grapes. Okay. You have slap one, get to lick one, you get to fondle one, okay? Okay. So, um, we're in Italy, you love Italian wine, so yeah. first one of them is going to be Nebbiolo, for sure. Okay. So, Nebbiolo, uh, Sangiovese, and Alianico. Okay. What, 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 which one are you slapping? Which one are you licking? Which one are you fondling? Slapping would be uh, Sangiovese. Okay, why? Um, I think most people, I think... Because Chianti, you know what it's probably, yeah. I'll say it, because she doesn't want to say it, because she doesn't want to Because Chianti, it's kind of it's played out. Like, it's not, yes. it's a great wine, but in the scheme of things, it, it in America, I mean, it, I love a fiasco, but like, it was it was the wine that was everywhere, and with, what is it, like over 600 varietals, it's, it, yeah. while it's so important in Italy, yeah. if you're a wine person, it's, it's the least interesting. Right, right. On it's one like, level, yeah. It's not the least interesting. I and mean, when people tell me, um, oh, my favorite one is Chianti, I'm thinking about you. You probably don't know anything else. Yeah, exactly. You're so <laughs> devastated, right? It's like, I need to give you a lesson. Yeah. Uh, you gotta slap the person. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, slap and slap. I think slap and slap. Slap and slap. Alianico, like, I think. Uh, it's hard to choose the remaining two. Sure. Between the and the These aren't, it's not supposed to be easy. I, I'm, I'm not like a crappy Merlot. Like, I don't want to give you some choice where you have to. Yeah. yeah. I think for both grape varieties, the two remaining ones, mm -hmm. Alianico and Aviolo, yep. um, you can make. Even entry level wines these days yeah. with Nebbiolo. Yeah, uh, Longay. Yeah, yeah Longay yeah, yeah. is huge right yeah. now. Yeah, so, um, but I think I've seen that I, I almost never had a Nebbiolo that is bad. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it may, you may just be, be disappointed because it's not as powerful as you right. expect. Right. Because not every Nebbiolo one is a Barolo. Sure. Uh, but I wouldn't say I have ever had a bad one unless it's really cold. Yeah. Uh, but Cole, I think there's still. A a bigger variance yeah. in terms of presentation. Some of the great ones are really great, uh, but the ones that are not well made, it can be it can be difficult to finish the glass. Yeah. Uh, so that's the only thing about Alianico. And of course, uh, for me, I have to say Nebbiolo is the one I love the most. Got it. Perfect. So one last question. So you're here. You're you're an Italian wine ambassador. You mm -hmm. work with the incredible team here in Italy and wine to wine. Yeah. Um, and we've come out of the pandemic and. What are you most excited about for the future? Uh, for myself or for Italy? For, for yourself. Um, yeah, wait for yeah. I mean, yeah, for you. Okay. What about you? I think. Um, well, excited. I think, in my mind, even though I think in Hong Kong and Asia in general, mm -hmm. we are a bit behind in terms of getting out the pandemic. Yep. So there are still a lot of things that we haven't caught up to what it used to be. Um, so I think. That in the US and Europe now, they're a bit ahead, but still not quite exactly 100%. So I think for me, it's the uncertainty that still uh, actually make people worry about the future. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping that uh, with what I do uh, in Hong Kong now, promoting Italian wines with the consulate and also with EJ, uh, to bring a different vibe to people uh, in terms of uh, lifestyle, uh, having a good time, uh, appreciating what they have. Um, so hopefully next year, uh, we can continue to um, bring a different elements of you know, Italian wine. We try to do something different every time. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm hoping next year I can have a big project with uh, the consulate 
to work on both each other one in food, but maybe oh. really big fair, um, uh, not uh, go specifically focus on uh, the major regions yeah. of Italy, but also some interesting ones. So hopefully that will be a good one. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Alice, thank you so much for doing this. Tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. You have an Instagram or something like that. I don't know. Yes, uh, my Instagram is actually my silly uh, email address called B-E-E-F-A-T, baby fat PT. So uh, when I was younger, I wanted to use baby fats, but obviously that. But, but Russell Simmons taken. had that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> baby fat PT, yeah. PT as me as a physical therapist. Yep. So, so that's my uh, handle on Instagram. Okay, great. Well, thanks so much. Pleasure meeting you. Thanks for having Take me. Take care. Yeah, enjoy the rest of it. Yeah, my pleasure. Take care. What's up, everybody? I'm back. You know what I'm doing? I'm here at Wind a Business, and I'm able to rope a few people who want to come and talk to me, so I'm very excited. My next guest is Sophia. How do you say is that? Is it Ponzini? Ponzini. Ponzini. Yeah, Ponzini. Sophia Ponzini. Ponzini. So, well, that's a beautiful name. It's Italian. Um, where are you from, Sophia? I'm from Sicily. I'm from Catania. Okay, so um, what is your um, relationship to the wine business? Are you, what, what do you do? Yeah, I'm a winemaker, mm -hmm. uh, yes, uh, the, the winery is Teno de Bosco. I've started around 10 years ago on Mount Etna. Oh, so you're on Mount Etna. Okay, yeah. so you started 10 years ago. Was your family, do you, do you come from a family that made wine? Uh, not to sell, I mean they might have made some wine. We did wine just for family, but okay. I started in 2011 for uh, selling, yeah, but uh, yeah, we started with the family, family wine, yeah. Okay, so you started selling um, the wine. What, um, did you grow up near Mount Etna? Because Mount Etna has become a bigger, it's growing in its popularity, although they've made wine here forever. They've made wine in your country, Italy, forever. And, you know. But uh, Mount Etna kind of came to fame, I think, because, at least in the U.S., people saw it as an alternative to Pinot Noir, produced these really elegant wines that had a lot of terroir. Yeah. Um, so did you grow up in that Mount Etna? Is, is, is all of Sicily Mount Etna? How's it? What's it? What's it? Because I've never been. What's it like? Uh, the wines of Mount Etna are uh, very unique, okay. very elegant, as you told and with a wonderful edge potential. Mount Etna is an island in the island, so Etna wines are CM wines, but a little bit different, because we are on the highest volcano of Europe, active volcano. Uh, for example, we are uh, around 750 meters above sea level, okay. and you can feel in your, gas, in your glass the vibrant energy of Mount Etna. So, Maybe in USA, they would like to join and feel up on the volcano and feel the energy of, of these wines. Got it. How did you become a winemaker, though? Were you, did you have a different career? Were you, did you always start? How did you? Yeah, very different career. What did you do? Um, I studied uh, literature, international communication, and after my degree, a uh, course in contemporary art. And maybe contemporary art is in my label, because my label is a little volcano with the lips in different color. <laughs> yeah, but lips because uh, Etna is a woman for us, like a mother, and the flame of the taste of the volcano. So I'm the producer, I work with 
and sister. And also on Mount Etna, there are a tradition of the women that take care about the vines like kids. Okay. So, art, yeah, in my level. And then I choose to make wine also for uh, give back something to my territory. Okay. Uh, just to talk about Sicily and the excellence of my terroir. So let's <clears throat> let's talk about Sicily because Sicily actually has a um, uh, there's a lot of diversity in the cuisine because where it's located, right? Um, ports, people come in, so you had spices coming through. Um. Yeah, Sicily is a very incredible mix of culture, and this mix uh, you can. Yeah, you can taste this mix, this mix in, uh, in the food because we were dominated by French, by Spanish, by Arabic. So, uh, for example, in the, the sweets, mm -hmm. the desserts are very, very uh, interesting with some dried fruits, uh, with some cheese, ricotta cheese, very, very interesting. And also the other, the other, the other dishes. So, yeah, the, the, the food in Sicily is a mix of other culture. Um, <clears throat> do you have a, uh, a favorite, uh, like a favorite dish that perhaps your mother or your grandmother's prepare, prepare that like just takes you back to childhood when you, you smell it or taste yeah, it? Yeah, like the Madeleine for Proust. Okay, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, like yeah. For me, a very Italian dish is the pasta alla norma. Okay. Wow. What is pasta? I, I pasta that's, yeah. la norma is a um, yeah first course with eggplants, um, yep. ricotta cheese, okay. and uh, tomato sauce. It's very simple dish, but crazy, crazy. I love it. Yeah. I love that. She does love it. She, <laughs> she loves it. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, you mentioned art. Um, when did you start? Uh, drinking wine. I mean, obviously you grew up, but when did, as a, was it in college, when did you start drinking wine and kind of like really start maybe I'm appreciating I mean, yeah, she's like, it was in my bottle. What are you talking about? Six years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With my father, every dinner, <laughs> a glass of wine at the end. Okay, good, perfect. That's so amazing. <laughs> like I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, you said you work with your sister, is that correct? Yeah, she's an agronomist. She's not, okay. Um, I go around and chatting my sister to oh, the hard job. Oh, she's doing a hard job. Yeah, she'd be like, I, I, you know, I do the talking and she gets her hands dirty. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's it like working with your sister? What's it like to work together? Um, like, um, as Italian, I love to work with my family yeah. and with my sister. We are completely different mm -hmm. and... Uh, I think we have a superpower to work together yeah. for our diversities. We are very complementary, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I love to work with her. And what's the size? So um, you said I asked. I think before we started, like, do you often get to New York? And you said you do uh, as a festival. And um, but you mentioned you have a new importer. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your case production? How many cases do you make? Uh, right now. I'm a small producer. Yep. I produce around 50,000 miles bubble. Okay. Uh, in four labels. Yep. I produce uh, Etna White, uh, Etna Rosé, and two reds at the moment. And uh, yeah, 
That's it. Yeah. So about. Sorry. It's okay. And um, how long have you been importing to U.S.? Okay, uh, I've started around five years ago. Okay. But with small importer, then uh, three years ago I choose uh, another. I change my type of work. Okay. And I choose a little importer that, but more focused on quality Italian wines. Yes. Very good, very good. And besides New York, what other markets are you in? Do you, uh, New Jersey, Connecticut? Yeah, I'm in Illinois okay. and California. <laughs> and uh, yeah, not all USA, but. Yeah. Uh, Mainly restaurants for your wines, or do they? Go to retail stores. Or are they on wine lists? Um, restaurants. Yeah, restaurants. Very nice. Very nice. So, um, <clears throat> I know you've been drinking since you're six. Okay, I understand. I get that. <laughs> lucky. <laughs> um, but along this journey, because um, I'm, I'm sure you drink wine from all over the world. I mean, obviously, because you're. Professional, but is there a bottle of wine, and it could even be from your area, but a, a bottle of wine that really touched you, made your mind go, "Wow, this is something special. This is the art, or, or whatever, and how it correlates for you." Do you want to know um, my favorite? I do. Uh, I have to find my favorite <laughs> because it depends of the moment, of the yes. people. If you are, I love wine, uh, mostly red wine, for sure. I love Pinot Noir, you know, because of the elegance, the acidity. But I have to choose my favorite. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So, just two more quick questions. Thank you for your time being here and being generous. Um, so, one is a game. Okay, it's a game. I'm going to give you three grape varietals. Um, and the game is called Slap, Lick, Fondle. So you have to slap one grape, so you get rid of it, just slap it. Get to lick one, and you get to fondle one. All right, so your three grapes. Okay. Pinot Nero, mm -hmm. Norello Mescalese, and Nero Davila. <laughs> Please cut. <laughs> no, this is the fun part. It's not supposed to be easy. Yeah. I mm, much I love uh, not full-bodied wines, yeah. so I keep uh, the Norello Mascalese and then Pinot Noir, but just for my personal way yeah. to okay. drink. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you're slapping uh, yeah. the Davila. Yeah. <laughs> And so you're here at Line of Business. You are in the business. Producer, marketer, salesperson. Um, what are you most excited about for the future of uh, Mount Etna Wines? Your Etna, wines in particular in Etna, that's yeah, a region. I think Etna is the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting area and it's not so old in the Italian wine industry mm -hmm. um, so I think the market for the Etna wines uh, will grow up for sure especially um, also in white wines because everyone talks about yeah, but the, cara, the, cara. Yeah, the yeah. character and also the rosé yeah 
Have you ever tasted Arizafametna? Um, yes, I have. But it was made from neural mescalase. But, but it was delicious, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, foodie, the uh, and also, um, yeah, I've had a few. I drink, they're delicious. I love yeah, them. There's such a mineral quality, particularly in a rosé that comes through. It's just, yeah. And a big character. Yeah. Great personality. Yeah, yeah. Great personality. Yeah, very gastronomic wine also in Rosé. Yeah. Not just to drink from March to August. No, no it's one of, oh, yeah. no, no, no. That's, that's an American soccer mob thing. Rosé season. Now, rosé is perfect wine for year-round because it's versatile. Yeah. Sophia, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm sorry for my Sicilian English. Oh no, that's what, that's the best <laughs> part. I'm sure you're very okay. fine, charming. All right, everybody. So, um, Sophia, tell everybody how they can find you. You know, if you have an Instagram or website, how they can find your wines, be a part of what you're doing. Yeah, in Instagram, especially Tenuto Bosco. Right, very easy. Very easy. All right, guys. I'll be back. One more interview. Talk Bye. To you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.